Welcome back to another edition of Covered in Glory. And I'm super proud that we did not fall out of the drop after the first week. There was probably even money at the books that we were going to be the first side to be relegated midseason, but we came through in flying form. What do you think about that, Brett? You as proud as I am? Uh, I'm just proud of myself for hitting that Watford bet. I'm going to be carrying that through the rest of the year. I'm going to miss every other one, but every pot, I'm going to bring up the fact that I got that one right. Oh, I'm not sure that game's going to come up again. Watford, Manchester United. I I don't know if we're going to talk about that at all. So I'm glad you got that in right at the top. (laughs) I have to, man. It's my one one moment of glory. Uh, So pulling the curtain back for one moment here. This is Tuesday that we are recording this on with Thanksgiving here in the States. Uh, we wanted to give our staff a little bit more of a break. So we are recording way in advance of the games on uh, this weekend. So if there's some injuries in the Champions League or some changes in the lines. Know that it's not just that I got hit by a reducer and had to limp off the field. There actually was a handicap this week. Uh, so with that said, let's dive right into the first game, shall we, Brett? Let's do it, man. I'm ready. All right. First game of the weekend, match of the week. Uh, My beloved Chelsea sitting top of the table on 29 points versus Manchester United, eighth on 17 points. Game is at 11.30 a.m. on Sunday. Chelsea is minus 185 on the money line. Manchester United is plus 500. The draw is plus 310. As far as spreads, Chelsea is minus 185 at uh, over 0.5 goals. Manchester United is plus 155. So, As a Chelsea fan, I want to be fair and balanced about this whole thing. So I guess my response to uh, last week's Man U game is a typically nuanced and objective. (laughs) Oh, Watford drums Manchester United 4-1 to last week. Uh, You know, we'll cover it later when we get into the five-pint pickoff, but I had a really hot week in props. Uh, I hit the one for this game, getting Watford at over 1.5 bookings. I gave my reasoning that they would likely have to commit some emergency pullbacks or breakaways uh, on breakaways or hack down rampant Man U attackers coming down the box. Instead, (laughs) the second one came where they tore their freaking shirt off after a four-goal win. (laughs) Oh, man. Hold on. I'm not done. Brett, you texted me during the game a picture of a dumpster fire. That uh, that made me think about how dangerous it would be if Ali actually had to manage a dumpster fire. He'd play like way out of position. He'd be like, go on, lads, push it up next to the children's hospital. And let's make sure we play on three-man back line in front of the exit door. However, the defense is so bad, the biggest danger to the kids wouldn't be the fire. It'd be Harry Maguire hacking them down as they ran past him. <laughs> Just maniacal. You're like an evil villain, man. I'm still not done. Over at Liverpool and Arsenal, things got so heated, the two managers literally tried to fight each other. What brought them peace was their fans joining in song to encourage United to keep Ali. It's like the Crips and the Blood showing up together at the campaign rally for a candidate for police chief. Oh, okay. All right. I got it out of my system. Yeah, uh, I have to say, though, I am a little disappointed that we didn't have any props for the uh, Klopp-Arteta possible fight. I would really like to see what that would have been scored as. Oh, man. Heavy metal football? I mean, football? Klopp's got the reach, but Arteta's fucking crazy. So. Oh, glasses and hair gel and I don't know. <laughs> 
weird. Yeah, uh, I mean, Klopp might break his fist on his hair gel. Yeah, it's true. And then Klopp's probably going to start using like weird, like um, uh, German indie band covers is like banging them over the heads. I'm definitely in for this. Uh, all right. So I'll, I'll calm down just a little bit because here's the thing. Manchester United is going to be dominant again soon. Uh, they'll be good. They're just like the Yankees and the Lakers. They're a capital B brand. They'll bounce back. And as a Chelsea fan, I actually have empathy for them having to let go of a club legend after we just uh, went through with Frank Lampard last year. I'm just choosing not to use it since I know they'll be great again. And after we get let go of Lampard and became the Kings of Europe, I just have to enjoy this one small window, this glorious moment of of shame fraud while it lasts. As for the game, uh, I can't say all that and take a draw now, can I? I'm not just taking Chelsea. I'm taking them on the adjusted line. Plus 170 to win by two goals or more. Give it to me. Eject it in my veins. Good Lord. Man, that adrenaline is fucking flowing right now. Uh, I mean, I have to say, though, it, you know, we, we're recording this right after the, the Champions League games today. And it, it just going off of those, you know, first game without OGS, United basically did nothing against Villarreal and Villarreal is currently 12th in La Liga. And we could do a whole other podcast of my hot take about how, how La Liga is basically like only slightly better than MLS at this point. Um, but I mean, the, the only reason that United ended up kind of pulling away from that game is Villarreal's keeper just played a back pass right to Ronaldo and he scored. And that was the only reason everything else is pretty even. Um, and, you know, if you're having trouble beating a team that's low in the totem pole in a league that's really struggling and Chelsea just absolutely fucking walloped Juventus today, uh, you know, 4-0, the, the chances they, they almost created, three expected goals, Juventus almost created basically nothing. Um, I think taking the adjusted line is great. I'm not that adventurous, so I'm just going to take the spread of minus one at even money. Um, but clearly we know that you're just on cloud nine right now. You're, you're just going to be throwing cash at anything Chelsea related. Oh, Juve. Uh, how many worst defeats have they ever had in the history of the champions league than the one to Chelsea today, Brett? I mean, okay. I I'm going to rain on your prey just cause it's fun. And also cause I'm a dick. The answer's zero. <laughs> Keep your rain cloud. The answer is zero. They've never had a worst champions league defeat. Bring the rain. I'm covered, baby. It's just not the same team. I'm glad it, I'm glad they got smashed. I don't have any special affiliation for uh, Juventus, but man, they're just not the same team. But that doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, Chelsea whooped the shit out of them. It's you have every right to be stoked right now. Oh uh, yeah, well you got to enjoy it while you last. Ebbs and flows and all that. Um, so for my prop this week, it, it kind of goes into what we saw throughout the whole season, but also again today, like their lineup today in the Champions League was crazy. It's like the old Seinfeld joke, you know, like what if they made the entire plane out of the black box? Chelsea's lineup today was like, what if they made the entire team out of wingbacks? And they still (laughs) won 4-0. It was incredible. Uh, And where do they find the goals? They keep finding them from the defenders. They have 16 goals from defenders this year. It's what they're relying on. It's how they're playing. They've had injuries up top, and the defenders keep stepping up time and time again to deliver. So for my prop this week, because it's Tuesday, it's a little bit hard. So this is going to be slightly conditional. Uh, I'm taking you know whoever starts at wingbacks to get a shot on target in the following order. If Reese James starts, I'm taking him at plus 150. Uh, Chilwell limped off, so I doubt he's going to play. But if he does, I'm taking him at plus 100. 
And uh, if not, I'm taking Alonzo at plus 180. I absolutely expect them to dominate your boy out on the right. I don't even know what formation they're going to play. Like, who the hell knows? Like, United's best defender in this game is their manager. There's nobody better on the team to defend than Michael Carrick. And the second best manager in the game is probably Thiago Silva. So the wingbacks are going to dominate the outside. They're going to pinch in. They're going to get shots. And I love my odds on that one. Man, uh, this is gonna be weird because we're just gonna—I'm just gonna parrot stuff, but like to with a slightly less enthusiastic flair to it. Uh, Chilwell did go off, limp off today, um, but I had before the match my prop was gonna be two shots plus one fifty for Chilwell. I mean, he averages two per ninety already. Um, I think Chelsea's gonna completely dominate possession. Even Villarreal had plenty of opportunities in the attacking third. They outshot United 13 to 11. Their fullbacks are getting in the game. And as you know, you pointed out, um, I mean, Chelsea's defenders are basically like attackers at this point. You know, Trevor Chalba gets forward. Uh, Rudiger and Silver are dominant on set pieces. Um, so pretty much any prop with like a Chelsea defender doing something, shooting towards the goal is probably a good one. But for me, the Chilwell one, if he plays, is the one that stood out. Yeah, I, I love that bet as well. When I, and I looked at that one. I, mean, I was just trying to decide for whatever it's worth. Um, the Chelsea wingbacks right now, Chilwell, James, Alonzo, less so uh, Azpilicueta, they just, their technical abilities are just incredible. Like They might be three of the five best strikers of the ball on the entire team. Like Alonzo might literally be the best technical striker uh, of a ball in front of goal on Chelsea. So... You know, obviously there's going to be blocks in play, but I love them to put them on frame. And I'd rather have one on frame than just get two shots off when you look at the odds. But that was just my that's my kind of personal opinion watching a whole lot of them. Uh, I'm like I said, man, I'm for anything that has Chelsea defenders shooting the ball towards United goals because I think it's going to happen a lot. Cool. All right. Well, I've completely punched myself out. So I'm going to clear out and make a lot of space for you in these next games because I am winded after that one. I don't <laughs> I have like, say, man. I don't have chaos and anarchy in me the, like I did the Red Bulls wearing off. <laughs> I'm just going to crash and take a nap and let you talk about the rest of the games. This is going to be fun. It's great, great for the listeners. Uh, yeah. all right, second game up Liverpool uh, in third place on 25 points versus, versus Southampton. 13th on the table currently on 14 points. Game is at 10 a.m. on Saturday. Liverpool is minus 370 to win. Southampton is plus 950. The draw is plus 550. On the spread, Liverpool minus 1.5 is uh, minus 125. Southampton is plus 110. And I should say before I go too much farther, you know, when you think about the underdog on these um, lines, think about you're getting the draw and the, and the win for the underdog, something like Southampton. That's why the line for Southampton to win outright is going to be, you know, much higher than it's going to be on just kind of a 0.5 or a minus 1.5 spread. Just for people that are kind of new to the soccer gambling space. If those numbers seem like they might be off for some reason. Uh, All right, so I won't be anywhere near as long-winded on the rest of these games. Uh, Liverpool was absolutely rampant versus Arsenal, beating them 4-0. You called it last week. You were spot-on on on this game. Uh, Alexander-Arnold, Mane, Salah, they look as good as they ever have. It's really breathtaking to watch the speed at which they win the ball back and flow into attack. I mean, this is the Liverpool the world's fallen in love with for the last four or five years, Um, and they just dismantled Arsenal last week. Uh, Meanwhile, Southampton, they lost 2-1 to a bottom-of-the-table Norwich, and they looked like the worst side the whole day. It wasn't just a fluke result. I thought Norwich pretty thoroughly outplayed them uh, all over the pitch. 
So on current form, I got to say I'm happy to pay such little juice at minus 125 for Liverpool to win by at least two. Yeah, I mean, again, we're we're basically on the same page. It's going to be a super exciting and diverse podcast here. Um, you know, but it, the this Liverpool team reminds me of, I can't remember the year, but that year the Patriots, like there wasn't a spread high enough for them not to cover. And that's kind of how I'm looking at this Liverpool team right now. If you look across Europe's big five leagues, which are, you know, France, Germany, Spain, Italy, and England, Liverpool has three attackers, like three Liverpool attackers are in the top 10 of all attackers in those leagues as far as their goal involvements. And that's nuts. Like that doesn't happen. Like every other team has maybe one attacker in the top 10. Liverpool has three in Yota, uh, Mane, and Salah. And, you know, every match, it seems like they can just basically put four on the board and it's not luck. It's not a fluke. They just are just hammering chances and, you know, Southampton's good. And, uh, you know, for, for basically where that club is at, you know, they've had financial troubles. They've, they've had a, to sell off a ton of players since they kind of had a, a really good run to fifth under, um, I think it was Komen was the manager at that point, you know, Pochettino era started there, but they've just had to sell, sell, sell. The team is kind of stripped of its parts. They're feisty, but like, they're not going to stand up for this attack. So I'm taking the spread. Liverpool is uh minus 1.5 minus two at minus one Oh five. I'm taking basically Liverpool versus the spread until they stop scoring four goals a match. <laughs> Hard to argue with that, right? Just until yeah. they show you otherwise, just take the line and and uh, don't even think about it. And similarly on my prop, um, I mean, I thought he was the best player. Well, actually, I thought Alexander Arnold was the best player on the pitch, but I couldn't find a betting line this early before Saturday that really lined up with what I thought he was going to do. But I did see uh, Mane anytime goal scorer at plus 110. So not much more to add from either of our analysis in the game and how great they are in attack. Uh, with the time, I'm I'm going to save you here. Go pull up Mane's highlights from last week. After watching them, you'll be rushing in the window to get plus money to see him score again. Yeah, I mean, mine's actually going to be the opposite direction. So we talked last week a little bit about how Liverpool's midfield injury crisis in a weird way uh, forced them to play two of their best defensive midfielders together because they were one of some of the only senior guys. So Fabinho and Thiago played together and Arsenal created jack shit the whole game. And that wasn't shocking because those two not only are good at things like winning the ball back, controlling possession, and just basically stopping the other team from getting in dangerous areas. So as long as those two, those two are together and healthy, Southampton's attack has been a little bit improved. They brought up a, a younger English striker from the championship named Adam Armstrong, uh, Muhammad L. <laughs> Elianusi, uh, I think I actually got that one right. That might not go on our board of mispronounced names. Uh, <laughs> came back on loan. He's been pretty good for him as far as, you know, attacking third contributions. But, like, when Liverpool has Van Dijk, Fabinho, and Thiago all in the lineup, um, and Joel Motip has, you know, obviously been a pretty steady force for them as well on the back line, it's just hard for me to team see teams even score against them, against them at this point. So I'm going to take the Liverpool clean sheet, at one, uh, clean sheet and win at plus 135 because – Southampton's attack isn't all that impressive. And when you get those two midfielders out there controlling the game, chances are going to be pretty limited for Southampton. Yeah, so we like Liverpool on opposite ends of the pitch, but we both like them a lot. Yeah. All right. Uh, our third game that we're going to look at is going to be right after this break. All right, we're back. 
Oh, whew. I did catch a nap. It's funny when Sal was first giving me advice about this podcast as I haven't done it before. He's like, just be yourself, but be like 110% more yourself. Like you just had a good cup of coffee. So that fourth Red Bull was probably overkill, but I think it still got my point across. I hope we don't have to revive you in the middle of this podcast because your heart's going fucking crazy. Oh no, it's going to be straight up Pulp Fiction. I hope you got the big needle ready. I'm just, I'm just glad that as juiced up as you are, we don't have to mention Connor, Connor Gallagher because that would just send you right over the edge. Oh no, I'm going to need 20 minutes and a cigarette if you mention Connor Gallagher. <laughs> All, All right, right, what do we got next here? Uh, next game, Arsenal in fifth place in the table right now, tw- on 20 points versus Newcastle United. Uh, dead last, 20th on six points. This is the early game, the what they call the lunchtime kickoff in England. Over here at 7.30 a.m. on Saturday. Arsenal is minus 235. Newcastle United is plus 600. The draw is plus 400 on the spread. Arsenal minus 1.5 is plus 125. Newcastle is minus 140. Uh, So we just went over how Liverpool just dominated Arsenal, kept Arsenal from generating no chances, and then just uh, ran down their throats down the other end of the pitch. Um, They were devastated by Poole's energy in the attack. And pod favorite Aaron Ramsdale is the only thing that really kept that from being a double digit loss. Uh, and so while I, I know they're definitely better than the bottom of the table, Newcastle Magpie showed a lot of energy last week in a cracking three, three match against Brentford. They're really full of piss and vinegar and they have a side full of players that are like playing for their career as January approaches and a flood of uh, middle Eastern money is about to pour into the transfer portal from the Newcastle's new owners. Uh, particularly kind of energetic was Maximin. Did you see him, man? Like he is all action, barely misses a goal. Then he comes in at minute 75 with a beautiful finish, hits it with a round off flip and then runs off into the stands to celebrate with everybody. It was electric. Uh, so while I don't think Arsenal are good enough to blow them out. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and take Newcastle minus 140 to stay within two goals, even though Arsenal probably wins. Yeah, I mean, St. Maximum and uh, Adama Traore and Wolves are probably like, if you're just a casual soccer fan as an advertisement to watch the Premier League, those two are probably the most exciting guys because basically all they do is they just dribble around people the entire game. Well, with Traore, he literally oils up his arms and to, so people can bounce off him. <laughs> um, but, you know, Eddie Howe came in to replace Steve Bruce, and I think part of the reason why you probably saw a more – energized um, St. Maxima is that how has kind of at least developed a plan. Um, you know, his Bournemouth teams had a pretty clear identity. They were kind of fun attacking sides with defensive deficiencies that tried to maintain possession, which, you know, is pretty odd that you see for, you know, lower end teams, teams that are facing relegation and Steve Bruce just basically played the super passive, really. Um, I mean, towards the end of it, he tried to get a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more attacking, but Newcastle was basically last in passes per defensive action under Steve Bruce. That's the stat about how aggressive they are basically in defense with letting the opponent control the ball. <laughs> so they were their mark under Steve Bruce was 14.79 passes per def- defensive action. In the Brentford game, with the caveat that Newcastle was seemingly constantly coming back, their passes per defense action was half. It was 7.70, which would lead basically the Premier League in terms of aggression without the ball. 
Um, so you're going to see a more aggressive Newcastle team. And I think with that, like pressing can be a pretty great equalizer. So with the spread being at uh, with Newcastle getting one or 1.5 for minus 118, I just think that with Eddie Howe in charge, I, you know, not sure that they're going to stay up, but I think they're going to be better. And as you mentioned, and I hope Aaron Ramsdale like, can sponsor our podcast with as much as we mention him, he is really the only thing between uh, the general public seeing just how bad this Arsenal team has been. Um, their non-penalty expected goal difference is actually barely above Newcastle, and Newcastle are a clear relegation fa- favorite. Um, and Ramsdale's like the only thing stopping them from actually hitting those lows. Uh, and I, I just think you're going to see that play out more and more each week. So I'm going to, if Newcastle's getting over a goal, I'm, I'm going to take that spread. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for giving such in-depth, amazing statistical analysis to back up my stupid point, which is just maximum cool. <laughs> but what you just said really does go into my prop. Um, I'm going to take Newcastle total goals in the first half over 0.5 at plus 178. To the stats that you just gave, they're absolutely not going to sit back and wait for the game to come to them. Um, Ramsdale could stand out on his head, but I think there's three guys on Newcastle that could probably front flip over him. Uh, I think they might give up two in the first half, but I think they get one. So I love the plus 178 for them to get in the back of the net once. Yeah, I mean, that's a good play. And uh, I'm going to take that to a little bit more of an extreme. Uh, As we saw last week, I love me some defenders to score. Give me those prop bets for some defenders to score. Um, So Jamal Lascelles and Kieran Clark are plus 1,600, plus 1,500 to score. Those are the center backs for uh, Newcastle. And if you kind of go along the lines that we were talking about with the pressing, more pressing means more transitions, more chances to be in the final third a little bit more possession and, you know, uh, with same maximum's ability to draw fouls as well. That means more set pieces, more time for those guys to come up from the back, get forward, get into the box, get some chances. So Lascelles and Clark both average less than a shot per game. Um, but last year, Lascelles averaged uh, 11.11 goals per 90 minutes. Uh, Kieran Clark averages 0.11 expected goals per 90 minutes this year. Um, so just kind of, again, one rough interpretation of both those stats is that once every 10 games, they're likely to score a goal. You're getting plus 1500 plus 1600. And you tack into the fact that Arsenal center backs, Ben white and Gabrielle are not good in the air white in particular. Um, so you're going against a team that just doesn't have those big, tall dudes that can clear those set piece balls out of the box. Um, you know, with a Newcastle team that is basically fourth in set piece shots this year. So I'm taking a chance. I'm going to, I'm going to say that the best prop to me is one of those center backs, putting the ball in the net. So you're taking a half unit on each, or is there one over the other that you prefer? I, I'm, I'm going to take five pints for the each of these. <laughs> so. Well, you're losing by so much. You have to play a long shot. So uh, <laughs> I know. I guess I that's as good as any. I was hoping to bury you with Kinsella. I still feel like I should get something for his outside of the boot pass that led to a goal. But, you know, that's not how gambling works. No, unfortunately, it's not. But God, was that an amazing ball. Whew. Yeah. All right. Uh, that moves us a little bit farther. Uh, down our agenda here. So we are going to look at Burnley on 18, uh, who's currently 18th on nine points versus Tottenham Hotspur, seventh 
19 points. 9 a.m. on Sunday, Burnley is plus 270. The Spurs are minus 105. The draw is plus 265. Um, the line is, is pretty similar on the Spurs side, obviously. I'm sorry, the spread is pretty similar on the Spurs side, obviously. Minus 0.5 goals is uh, minus 105. But Burnley, you get all the way to minus 110. So you basically get Burnley and the draw for minus 110. Uh, all right. Last week really showed the power of gambling because even a hated rival can elicit a cheer with money on the line. The uh, Regulon goal won me two bets and cost Brett one. So it, after the Chelsea three spot, super it was definitely my... Cool. What's that? I said super fucking cool moment for us. Yeah, well, that's pretty cool. I thought so, at <laughs> least. It was my fourth favorite goal of the day because, um, you know, it's, it's weird. Like, you just explode off your couch and then you catch yourself. You're like... Oh my God, I hate Spurs. Why am I jumping? And it's like, yeah, money over hate sometimes. Gambling. That's gambling, baby. That's why we do this. Um, all right, before we get too much into the Spurs Burnley game, I did have one question that came to mind because, like, you could kind of see the Conte effect immediately. He's sprinting up and down the sideline. People are playing a little bit harder to impress the gaffer. Uh, wingbacks were way more involved, just as you and I discussed. Harry Kane all of a sudden was showing his great passing range and movement that made him so valuable in the first place. So, my question for you, Brett, um, is a little broader than just this game. I was thinking about it also in context of Manchester United losing their manager and having to employ a new one. In my mind, in the last 10 years of the Premier League, um, you know, ever since NBC got the rights in 2013, that's when I could say, you know, I watch almost every game or at least parts of it or the highlights or whatever. There's really only four managers that actually scare me on the sideline. And it's Klopp, Pep, Conte, and then, you know, he doesn't scare me, he delights me, but uh, Thomas Tuchel. When you look at Manchester United, I mean, like I made light of this last week, right? Like I was thanking Tottenham for signing Conte uh, because I just really did not man want Manchester United to get him because I think he is one of the four difference makers I've seen in the Premier League manage uh, or the Premier League era. So, like, if you're Manchester United and he's gone, one, who are they looking for? And two, if I only think four guys have mattered really deeply in the last I, ten years is too hard, like Mourinho. Um, when he was with Chelsea the second time, like at the very early in that period, he was also a great manager. But for the most part, I look across the sideline and I don't fear who I see. And so who the hell are they even going to bring in? Like a Pochettino, he's already been through the league and he didn't scare me. So like, does it, who is who they look for and doesn't matter is my long winded question. Well, you actually hit a really interesting conversation topic among uh, basically kind of the soccer nerd guys, which I guess I probably fall into that crowd these days. Um, but it's manager value, right? So typically wages have the highest correlation. What, what you pay your players, not transfer fees, what you pay your players have the highest correlation to success. What we found out is that very few managers actually raise the level of, of a team's performance above their wages. And the funny thing is like, Four of the guys, or all four of the guys you mentioned, are such managers. Uh, and Conte obviously has had a track record of doing everywhere he goes. But even guys like we saw it last year with Carlo Ancelotti at Everton, like here's this hugely successful guy, won a ton of trophies in different leagues. But every team that he managed pretty much either had the best talent or the best resources, especially when he was at Madrid and La Liga. And then you dropped him to Everton, which is a team that you know I think is just slightly ahead of Spurs instead of wages. And, you know, he got mediocre results. So you kind of see that most managers 
really don't make a difference. Um, one of the guys that's out there that actually has positively come up and people that have studied this is Lucien Favre, um, who is at Dortmund. And he plays kind of like this weird style where, you know, they, they have the ball a lot in their back third. And, and part of the reason I think he got fired at Dortmund was it was not as aggressive and attacking as they really wanted him to be. Um, but he has had multiple years of just teams, not only like consistently playing past their expected chances, but just exceeding results. Um, so he would be a guy that I would look at. Uh, funnily enough, we were talking about Southampton and how they've just basically been ravaged because of financial stuff and had itself a ton of players. But like in an ideal world where you're open to a, a, like outside the box ideas, but like this is the Southampton team is like a relegation quality team. And Rolf Hassenhudel, I've talked to you know a bunch of soccer friends and stuff, and we've all said like, what would Hassenhudel do if he actually had good players? <laughs> and so he would be a guy too that I think you'd have to take a long look at if you were really using like a real analytical approach to filling the United vacancy. Um, but it's tough because so many guys don't matter. So many things, the results that managers get are tangled in a bunch of different factors that like human brains can't even really process out yet. But the, that, like you said, there's only really four or five obvious guys out there to make a huge difference and elevate a team and they're all employed. (laughs) So it's hard to know where to go at this point. Yeah. Well, how are any of them going to fill such tiny, tiny shoes from Allah? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that you could probably run around on the sideline for United and you get the same results that he did. Oh, uh, well, at least I'd have more energy. All right, so <laughs> Definitely. Uh, back, to the, back to the game. It's really simple for me. At anything close to even odds, I'm taking Conte until they lose. So give me Spurs minus 105. Yeah, and I'm going to take actually Spurs at the spread. Uh, I'm going to take that extra 0.5. Um they started off pretty slow last week, but you can kind of see that Conte system taking hold. You know, Reggian was getting constantly involved in the final third. He actually missed a clear uh, chance to play Emerson Royale into the box, which would have led to a huge chance. Harry Kane had a couple of really good opportunities. He's looking a lot more lively. The only thing that I would say it uh, makes me a little worrisome is uh, Sun Hung Min is just not been the same player. And He's a 29-year-old forward. Soccer players tend to hit the their decline way earlier than we think. 29 is about that level. And that dude has played a ton of international minutes. He played super heavy, intense minutes when Pochettino was there. And he just hasn't been good. And I just never have been a huge Lucas Mora fan. And those are kind of like Spurs three attackers. So I like Spurs. I love Conte. You can see the system taking hold and they're getting better but I'm still not like super sold that they're going to just start waxing teams and go on this incredible run because I'm just not sure the personnel is that good. And maybe they'll be able to fix it a little in the transfer market, but Burnley with all that said, Burnley is one of the four, probably four or five worst teams in the league. They play a very passive style. They're going to give up natural with the Conte system with the wing backs. And I just think when, you know, Kane is out there with Reggion doing what he's doing, if they can just not play like Harry Winks in the midfield, uh, this game should be a walk in the park for Spurs. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Regulon and uh, Royale. I mean, we we will not stop talking about how important wingbacks are in the Conte system. We talked about it last week. We talked about it this week. We're going to talk about it every single week because it's just one of those true things uh, in life about 
the beautiful game. Uh, and it's like, you know, a lot of other people on the network, particularly Sal, talk about like guys who are like five, six, seven to one, like Mahomes for most passing yards in a week. Just take them every single week. And one of the seven weeks is going to pay off and probably more than that. I'm going to keep making this Regulon two shot bet until they change <laughs> the odds and it's no longer worth it. It paid off at three to one last week. It's at plus 267 this week. And until they adjust, I'm banging it every single week until it's no longer profitable. Yeah, I mean, I you know the the thing too that we've kind of noticed, and and what I like about that Regian bet is that um, in Conte system and in most systems with wingbacks, usually there's a little bit of balance, right? So like if one is really attacking and constantly getting forward, which is what Regian is doing, the other one usually has to play a little bit more conservative role. And Emerson's uh, like natural tendency is to be more of a defensive wingback, which means that he'll probably not be the one constantly getting as advanced which is why I kind of love like the Regian bet, but I'm going to try to be different. I want to have some diverse opinions on this podcast. And I think I'm we, actually going to take the We already the have under. diverse opinions, Brett. Yours are good and mine are bad. So you don't have to go <laughs> beyond true. that. That's what well, we, I've been parodying yours a lot today. So I'm getting a little worried, um, but <laughs> on this one, be. I'm going to change it you up. You should definitely be worried. If you find yourself copying me with all of your smarts, you have taken a wrong turn, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe I'll just need to start drinking to get some different opinions or something here, but it won't be my uh, beer because I'm winning our bet too. You ain't drinking my beer, baby. It's coming my way. uh, Just wait till LaSella scores this week, baby. I'm going to (laughs) be rocking into the top, (laughs) Uh, but I'm going to take the under two and a a half uh, at minus one twelve. I think last week first leads was a little bit of an outlier because leads is, is a crazy aggressive pressing team. They really open games up. They lead the premier leads leagues, the premier league in direct attacks, uh, which I think is classified as attacks that basically are like four passes or less that move the ball up the field towards the opponent's goal. Um, so they just play a really crazy style. And I think that opened up the Spurs game to why that over hit, um, which to your delight, it did for multiple reasons. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to try my luck again. I think this game is going to be with the way that Burnley plays. They're much more passive. They're going to try to stay compact at the back. They're going to play their little four, four, two and dig in and try to counter. Um, but I think this is going to be much closer to Conte's first game against Everton, where it was nil, nil and both teams didn't really create much. I think due to the talent advantage, Spurs will get a goal, but I just don't see three goals within this game. So I'm going to take the under two and a half. Okay. All right. We just got uh, one goal or one game left this week. So we're going to talk about Manchester City sitting at second on 26 points versus West Ham in fourth on 23 points. Maybe not the two biggest uh, teams to meet or names to meet. That would be Manchester United and Chelsea, but second versus fourth of the table. This is a real kind of stellar matchup. It's coming in at 9 a.m. on Sunday. City is minus 340. West Ham is plus 850. The draw is plus 475. Man City is minus 115 to win by two goals or more. And West Ham is minus 105 to keep it a little bit closer. All right. This one's just pure gambling for me. Uh, Manchester City didn't do a single thing last week that made me think they were anything short of magnificent. You kind of talked about how Conte likes to tilt the field and overload it to one side. And in the 3-0 win against Everton last week, Manchester City just tilted the field forward and it just looked like a (laughs) ramp straight at the Everton goal. There was no action coming uphill the other way. Um, But look, I like the Hammers to be a little more stout in defense. 
I like Declan Rice. I like Kurt Zuma. I like their organization. Um, and I don't think they're going to get a victory, but it feels like a moral victory if they stay within the two goals. So give me West Ham at minus 105 to do just that. It's very strange that the two players you named just so happen to have ties to that one club, one sit in London. Oh, Chelsea. That's weird. Okay. All right. Just once making a blue, sure everybody knows a blue, the, Brett. And the bias way, comes out in everything. If you're going to discount people that are like from Chelsea or their academy that aren't. Yeah, or, it's like or, half the league. It's like half the league. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I just, I just, I want to take my opportunities where I can to point out the bias coming out, even in subconscious ways. Hey, are they not two of West Ham's best five players? That's actually, uh, that's the thing about that. Zuma, Zuma is going to be right on the fence, but I'll give you Deck and Rice as one of their top five. Nah, Zuma will have another go- podcast. We'll discuss the merits of where Kurt Zuma sits in the pecking order of West Ham United. Oh, yeah, that's players. right. No, that's got to be a spinoff pod because we're going to have that one sold to uh, three blue chip advertisers and ESPN before it even airs. <laughs> Absolutely. Kurt Zuma pods are extremely popular. We're going <laughs> to we're going to hit that market early. Damn it. Um, Under address. That's all this, I'm saying. <laughs> but as far as this match, uh, I'm with you. It's just. It's so hard to see a team beating City at this point if they don't beat themselves. And the red card against Palace was part of it. You know, Southampton was another kind of mid-table team that got a little lucky. Um, but there, there's three, there's three classes towards the top of the Premier League this year. And as much as you're going to fight this, it's Liverpool and City in Tier One. It's Chelsea just right below them in Tier Two, and then it's West Ham in Tier Three. But that gap between tiers one and two and tier three, where West Ham is, is fucking huge. Like these, those three teams are just so much better. I love West Ham. David Moyes is the reason I became an Everton fan. But there's another thing working against West Ham too. They're playing in Europa and they're legitimately good. They may legitimately win Europa. Moyes has actually done a pretty good job of rotating his squad, but it's called uh, the Poison Chalice for a reason. You play every Thursday. You got the Sunday match right after. It's really hard, and you can kind of see it uh, wearing out West Ham a little bit, especially in the midfield. Right now, they have three functional central midfielders, Declan Rice, Thomas Rechek, and Mark Noble. Mark Noble's 35. They really don't have anybody else that they can rotate into those spots, and Sweetcheck plays a ton of international minutes as well, and I think you're starting to see that in this production. Uh, last year, he had 10 goals for him. This and a non penalty, uh, <clears throat> sorry, I'm choking here, but a non penalty actually of uh, 0.24, uh, 0.24 goals per 90. This year, that's dropped all the way to 0.11 non penalty goals per 90. You're seeing the minutes wear on a huge contributor for West Ham, it's taking away one of their attacking options, and you're going against fucking City, man. Like, they just don't let you have the ball. And Zuma and Craig, uh, Craig Dawson, who's another center back for West Ham, are key parts of their attack. Zuma obviously scored, you know, a huge goal for me against Liverpool. And they're not even going to get the chance to get corner kicks because they're barely going to be in Manchester City side of the field. So a lot of this is stacking up against West Ham, which is why I'm just going to take City money line and not worry about it. I cannot believe you just argued with me about Kurt Zuma and then pointed out that West Ham relies on Mark Noble as a critical part of their team. Of course, he's one of their best five players. What are you talking about? And by the way, I agree with you that there is a clear top three in Liverpool and Manchester City. I don't I don't know if they're a tier ahead. I don't know if they're not. It's it's pretty close. 
Uh, but you know, it's hard to hear you because we like our big ears on our trophies, not on our heads. You know what I mean? <laughs> we are the champions of Europe and we're carrying that baby around. Uh, Fair enough. Fair enough. You're, you're definitely going to hate my prop based on what you just said about West Ham. Um, but I, I, Kurt I'm Zuma, not sure. I to score. Here no, it comes. no, no, no. Um, I'm taking t- total corners. Over 10 and a half at minus 115. I think West Ham's probably not going to be the one who carried the, the lion's share of this prop. <laughs> uh, so I definitely agree with you. Um, but just because I say they're going to stay within two goals doesn't mean there's not going to be a lot of attacks and some real desperate defending. Desperate defending translates to corners. So lots and lots of corners with lots and lots of uh, the desperate defending that's coming. So, you know, Manchester City, I probably should just take their side instead of the, uh, instead of the two combined. But for some reason, I like the 10 and a half at minus 115 more than I think Manchester City was like seven and a half at that same number. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that's a great it's a great pick, because, again, anytime, um, you know, you can take the raw corner numbers from you know certain data sites. But anytime that a team is just going to pin another team in and David Moyes is going to do that, he is going to play defensive. He's going to try to stay organized, going to try to keep City in front of them. But that is what leads to balls getting hit off defenders, crosses getting deflected, you know, on the end line, and you rack up the corners. And I, I love that bet. Uh, it's not the one that I was going with, but I think that's a great play. I, I think it's a great play anytime City is playing someone that's well below their standing because they just pile shit on you. And eventually, <laughs> you know, you just fall. Uh, yep. But mine is going to be actually the clean sheet for city. Um, if city is going to win, it's hard to see them giving up goals. You know, they're, they're so impenetrable at the back. You know, again, Antonio has been rotated out with the Europa competition fairly well. They've, they've actually Moise again, to his credit, has done a very good job of resting one of his most important players, but he's still playing, you know, whether it's 60 minutes or coming in as a sub for those matches for 45 you, this whole team, you can just tell, is wearing down. Their attacking output has been lower and lower as the season has gone on. Um, and and with City, they're just so suffocating. It's like you got to bet this clean sheet until it doesn't happen. What's the odds on the clean sheet? Oh, the, uh, it's plus 110. My bad. I thought I threw that in there, but I'm so excited about pointing out that they never give up goals. I just didn't even mind the odds. You well, give it to me on minus 1,000, and I'll take it. <laughs> All right. So you heard it here first. He's taking minus a thousand on the clean sheet. <laughs> we're going to put that in the five pint pickoff. Uh, all right. Speaking of the five pint pickoff, last week's results, I hit four out of five pints last uh, week. So I had a debutante bounce, as so often happens in uh, our little funny game of soccer. Um, I don't know if I'll remain as hot this week, but, you know, I did pretty good on the player props. That's more of where I find my comfort level right now. I, and I love betting the player props for whatever it's worth. Like I love the individual action. It's a criticism of people that are watching soccer or, or anything um, related to our games. Like, oh, where's the action? Oh, zero, zero, one, zero just isn't exciting enough. You know what's freaking exciting? When you cash a bet on a shot on target from Callum Hudson-Odoi in the 34th minute, I jumped up. It was great. So if you think that um, soccer just doesn't have enough action for you, you're doing it wrong. You can always create action through the books. All right. Uh, you had uh, not quite as good a week, but Liverpool kept you from getting blanked. Uh, so you lost on your boy, Jao Cancelo, and you lost on total goals on Leeds and Tottenham. But uh, Liverpool hit for you, so our total after one week, 
I turned my five pints into 12. You turned your five into two. So I'm up uh, 10 going into this week, which happens to be the last of November. So uh, you've got some catching up to do, my friend. Some beers coming my way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. My picks for the week. Uh, I'm going with, of course, I can't not do it. I got to stick with Chelsea to win by over 1.5 goals at plus 170. Uh, I I have to own my opening to this podcast. So, of course, I've got to put them in my list. Uh, Similarly, the Chelsea wingback bet I discussed is going to be another one of my pints. Uh, We don't know the lineup this far out, but I had a waterfall of contingencies. I'm sure you followed. Um, Man City, West Ham total corners. I'm taking that at minus 115 over 10.5 for a pint. Newcastle first half goal plus 178 for a pint. And Liverpool over 1.5 versus Southampton minus 125 for one pint. Went slightly more conservative to protect the lead, but I really do like all five bets. Well, you know, I got a big hole to climb out of. So uh, Jamal LaSalle's, come on down, baby. We'll take We'll take one pint. <laughs> Plus 1,500 on my boy, LaSalle's, scoring against Arsenal. Uh, I'm going to put one on the Newcastle covering the spread, and then I'm going to take three on that plus 135 for the Liverpool clean sheet. I just I have a lot of confidence. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust a good team to do a good thing, and uh, that will be my safe bet, and then Jamal's going to bring me home, baby. Yeah. I'm going Liverpool- to be drinking good in December because Jamal is going to score that goal for me this week. <laughs> Oh my God. I am definitely turning off my phone. If that happens. <laughs> All right. You'll, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll, you just need to hide your address. Cause you're going to get like a Jamal LaSalle's fathead to just put up in your house somewhere. It'll uh, be on that door right there, right behind you for the rest of the pods. Yeah. Well, that's doors. The only blank spot in the house, not covered by Connor Gallagher fathead. So I need one there anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, Good. For our American friends, we hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. By the time you hear this, we hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, And we hope you'll join us next week as we continue to play our interchange of terrible advice and expert analysis. Enjoy the games. 